Okay, I'm glad you're here. We're going to jump in. And um, there's really a lot to discuss today. And I want to talk about angels and the number of wings on an angel. And uh, it's, it's actually quite an amazing uh, field of study uh, that just kind of happened on me. So I'm, I'm very grateful to Hashem for that. And I'll, I'll explain more later. You'll see as the talk goes along what I mean by that. Um, but we're going to build to that. And um, really, really, we're going to begin by talking about um, uh, Yosef and Yaakov and um, this whole journey to Shechem and the whole selling of Yosef. But we're going to approach it from... Um, we're going to approach it from a different angle, and, um, and, and you'll see we'll get to the subject of angels pretty soon. But first we're going to start with trying to explain what happened with Yosef. Now, this is a topic that most people are familiar about, and, and you've probably heard a lot about it already. So what I'm going to focus in on is not the sale of Yosef or what the kavanas or the intentions of the brothers were in selling Yosef and everything like that. That... Um, that, that's, that's fairly well known. What I want to talk about is the journey from Yosef, uh, uh, the, Yosef's journey right before he got sold. Okay, there are a couple of interesting um, checkpoints before he meets the brothers and they sell him. Okay? So, so let's begin over there. And there's a very big pusuk and you'll see this is going to, the Medr says this relates to angels. So you're going you're gonna to hear more about this, but, but right now just have the, this key word in mind for now, and, and it will pay off later. Bishchem. Yaakov says to Yosef, go to your brothers, they're in Shechem. Bishchem. That's how you say it in Hebrew. That's what it says here in the Pasuk. And um, that's, uh, if you want to see it for yourself with your own eyes, that's... Uh, in Breshis, Genesis, chapter 37, verse 13. Okay? It's very interesting, too. It says, And Israel said to Yosef, You know, whenever Yaakov is on a higher spiritual level, the, the Torah lists his name as Israel. So Yaakov um, is on a very high spiritual level right now when he gives Yosef this command. So, And Israel said to Yosef, Your brothers are pasturing Bishchem, in Shechem, are they not? Shechem, of course, is the name of a city in Israel. Um, come, I will send you to them. And Yosef says back, very significantly, Yosef says back to Yaakov, Hineni, here I am. Hineni, you know, is like a really key word. Like, whenever uh, anyone is given a mission in the Torah, probably the, the, the greatest example being um, Abraham Avinu. You know, by the Akedah, whenever Hashem calls someone and someone says back, Hineni, you know, there's like a big mission and the person is up to the task. Okay, so Yosef, why is Yosef saying Hineni? Why is that significant? Because Yosef knows that the brothers really are not connecting with Yosef in a, in a serious way. There's, there's like a lot of tension there. And Yosef, you know, on some level understands that he's going to go into a hostile environment. And when Yaakov is sending him there, that, that's kind of a big deal. So Yosef says back Hineni showing that this is a very big mission that Yosef is about to go on and that he's up to the task. All right, that's, that's what is resonant in this word, Hineni. You know, based on Abraham and, and, uh, and other uh, holy examples in the Torah. So, so now, I want to I give you some more information 
We know, by the way, that this, this mission ends in disaster, right? This mission ends with, with Yosef being sold by the brothers and the exile beginning. So really you can say that the headquarters of the exile is Shechem. Okay? Now, interestingly, Yosef is buried in Shechem. And we're going to get to a very, very deep level to what that means, but that we're going to, we have to work to get there. But what does it mean that Yosef is actually buried in Shechem? Okay, now, maybe you're thinking, ah, maybe that means because that was his end, he was broken in Shechem, so he's buried there. No, 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 we're going to go much deeper than that. Okay, so, so, so now, where did this conversation take place? Now, this is, this was sort of new to me, but I think uh, anyone who's got a good Torah education probably knows this, but anyway, there's a, there's a key piece of information here. It says that um, it says so he sent him from the depth of Hebron and he arrived at Shechem. It says Me'emek Hebron. So that means from the depths of Hebron. Now that's sort of interesting. Depths usually Me'emek usually means from the valley of a place, right? What's the problem? Hebron is on top of a mountain. So now we're talking, okay, so what, what would it mean the valley of a, or the depths underneath the lower regions of a place that's on a mountain? So now, you have to remember, we have a rule in learning Torah, which is that the Pasuk never leaves its simple meaning. You can go as deep as you like, but it always has to be, you have to always reconcile it with pshat, with the simple meaning. So I would like to give a pshat on this, because... The Zohar says, let me just backtrack for a moment. The Zohar says that this conversation took place by Moris Hamach Pela. And so, with that in mind, if you talk about the depths of Hebron, underneath Hebron, it would make sense that maybe they're talking about the kever of Abraham Avinu. Because remember, Abraham and Sarah and Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, are the only ones who are buried there at this point in time. So it says that this conversation took place from the depths of Hebron, meaning the cover of Moras Hamach Pela, and Yosef gets sent. So, I was thinking about this, and um, knowing also that the mission sort of ends in disaster, I was asking the Hebron yesterday, right, at Shalashudas, is there is there another example that you can think of where a key participant goes to Hebron before a big mission? And the answer is Kalev went to Davin there when he was one of the spies. Right? When he was on a mission of checking out Israel, when everything was on the line, Kalev also went to Hebron, to Mor Samach Pelat, to the cave of the patriarchs and the matriarchs. And what happened with that mission? It ended in complete and utter disaster. Total disaster. Right? That's the first Tisha B'Av. That's when the Jews go, we're not going to Israel. We're, no, 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 no. God, you mean bad for us. And God says, you think I mean bad for you? Okay, I can't do business with this generation. You know? So, so that's the end of that thing. Yosef gets sold. That leads us into this entire exile, right? So, 
Interestingly, two of the key participants before they went through this first went to Hebron. So now I want to say on the most basic level, both of them came out okay. Yosef, okay, endures all sorts of terrible hardships, but he comes out okay. And Kalev is one of the only people from the entire generation who gets to live. So he also came out okay. So, so as much as both episodes ended in disaster, both of them turned out okay. So that's, that's worth noting. But it's also worth noting that both of those missions ended in pretty abject, horrible failure. Right? The decree of wandering in the desert and an entire generation wandering around for 40 years and the brother selling Yosef. I mean, that speaks for itself. So I want to say the following. And then we'll move on to the next point. Which is that Rabbi Wilson brings down that Hebron has the root Chibor, which means to connect. And we know that there are two main portholes to use a modern science fiction terminology. <laughs> two main gateways, let's just say. Spiritual openings would be perhaps a more Torah way of expressing it. Where prayers ascend to Shemayim, to heaven. One is from the Beis Amigdash, and in modern parlance we would say from the Kotel, right? From the Holy Wall in Yerushalayim. The other is from Moras Hamach Pela, which the Zohar says is the entrance into the Garden of Eden. And by the way, they say that the prayers that people utter first go to the Kinneret from around the world to take a mikveh, and then they ascend to one of these places. So, um, anyway, that aside, the Kinneret is a big body of water in Israel, if you don't know. So, so Rabbi Wilson says, you know, there's, these two connections have kind of like, there's a different aspect to both of them. One is an outward manifestation. That's the base of Migdash, the Holy Temple, and an outward manifestation can be destroyed. But an inner connection cannot be destroyed. Hebron, which is a cave, which is underground, which is not visible, that stands for the inside connection to Shemaim, which cannot be destroyed. Because it's internal. And so that's why that continues to exist, even as the base of Migdash has been destroyed. Mor Samach the cave of the patriarchs, that remains. And isn't it interesting that before these two great disasters, they went to that place which can never be destroyed. So what I'd like to say is that there was an affirmation. Hashem was sending us an affirmation before the two, two of the biggest disconnects in world history, that the fundamental connection can never be destroyed. And Hashem prefaced these two disconnects with the real headline, which is that our connection between heaven and earth, between Hashem and the Jewish people, between us and God, can never be destroyed. It might get complicated. But understand, the premise is, the foundation is, it can never be destroyed. And that, I think, is the deeper meaning of Yosef and Kalev going to Hebron to reaffirm this utmost, ultimate, never-ending connection 
before anything bad happened. Okay. Now, like we said, Yosef went through this horrendous journey. Um, 22 years he was separated from his father. And I was thinking, like, I'm sure there's a lot written on this. I'm sure there's a lot written on this, but I haven't seen it, as far as I know. But I was thinking, you know, 22 years. Aren't there 22 letters in the Aleph base? Didn't God create the world through the Hebrew letters? Doesn't it mean on some level that their worlds were destroyed? The worlds were mamish destroyed. And yet they, and yet they hung on. You know, based on this, I want to say a shot on something in the Torah. And there's Midrashim on this, but I, I want to say something new, I think. It says that the sons, the tribes were pasturing in Shechem. And the word, I'll tell you exactly where it is. It's, it's right around where we were talking. It's chapter 37, verse 12, Pasuk 12. You'll see there's this word ace. And there's two dots over the two letters of ace, over the aleph and over the tuf. And it's in the Torah. And people try to explain what does it mean, the dot over the aleph and the dot over the tuf. And this is where the brothers sort of encamped when they were deciding to sell Yosef. Okay, this is right before Yosef arrives. So what's this dot over the aleph and the dot over the tuf? You know what? Aleph is the first letter of the Aleph base. Taf is the last letter. That's 22, isn't it? That's the, right there was the beginning of the 22 years that Yosef was going to be separated from Yaakov. But you know, they also rebuilt the world. They also rebuilt the world. By saying true to themselves and true to the Torah and true to the lineage that Abraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov himself had established. So they also were building the world. Because it says in the beginning of Breshis, it says, Breshis bara elokim es hashemayim ve'es ha'aretz. And that's where we learn, es hashemayim ve'es ha'aretz, that through the letters Aleph and Tav, through the whole letters of the alphabet, Hashem created the world. You know, sometimes, sometimes when you're tested, you're making something strong, you know. You're actually building something. Even amidst the suffering, you're actually building something. So, so Yosef journeys to Shechem, and amazingly, he doesn't find the brothers in Shechem. He finds them in Dosan, or Datan. You know, isn't it interesting that the two biggest troublemakers in the entire Torah are Dasan and Aviram? Spelled the same way, by the way. Dasan is the one who's making an Aviram, but Dasan is the one who's making trouble for Moshe and trying to, to... He's the one behind the rebellion of Korach. He's the one who's spreading out mana on the ground to say that it's falling on Shabbos when it didn't fall on Shabbos. He's trying to mess up... He's the one who reported Moshe to Paro when the Egyptian taskmaster was killed. So he's the embodiment of machlokas, the embodiment of argumentation and disunity. 
And that's where the brothers sold Yosef in Dasan. It's his name. Amazing, no? But Yosef goes Bishchem. Remember Bishchem, we're going to lead up to that still. And he finds an angel there. Doesn't know it's an angel. So it comes to him as a man. We, find it, we, we know that it's Gabriel, which is Gvora, which is Din, right? Judgment. Gabriel finds him in Shechem and sends him to where the brothers are. So why do you need that little bit of an episode there, right? Why that little interaction with the angel? So, so I want to explain it the following way. You know, it's very hard for Yosef to be gone from, to be the only Jew in exile in the whole world at that time, right? It's very hard for him, to say the least. And I'm sure he said that it's from Hashem. And, um, and it's for the good. I'm sure he said it. Didn't just say it, he believed it, he knew it, he lived it. But you know what? Hashem sent him, I think, an extra little bit of strength. See, because I'm sure he was saying, you know what? If I hadn't run into that angel, that angel Dafka sent me. It must be the will of God. In other words, the fact that there was this extra little episode in between seeing the brothers, it's not just that my father sent me. Along the way, Hashem sent an angel that I should even go. So I think that in his own mind, he must have, it was God giving him an extra bit of encouragement and support to say, listen, this whole episode is Minashamayim in your life. You should know this whole episode is Minashamayim in your life. It's from heaven. It's from heaven. You have to go through it. Now probably he would have known that anyway. But 22 years is a long time. That's a really long time. And everyone, who, who among us doesn't need extra strength? You know, my, 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 uh, my young son, I don't know if he's eight or nine right now. He's eight. <laughs> Hanukkah ended and he said to me, it meant so much to me. It was like a, I guess it, didn't seem like much, but it meant a lot to me. He said to me, when's the next holiday? What's the next holiday? What was it? He said, uh, and then Purim, and then Pesach. And he said, oh, okay. And on some level, I, it just, it meant so much to me, like, I don't want to overstate it, but on some level, he's living for the holidays, right? He's going from holiday to holiday. Hashem gives us these holidays, you know. It's, it's so good. Anyone who is privileged to know Reb Shlomo knows that every holiday, whatever it was, that holiday was the deepest holiday in the entire calendar. When you got to that holiday, that was the deepest, deepest holiday in the entire... In the, that, was, that was the headquarters of everything. And then he'd explain it to you and you'd, you would agree. You would see how that absolutely was the deepest holiday and the headquarters of absolutely everything. 
Until the next holiday, when you'd realize, no, that's the deepest holiday, and that's absolutely the headquarters of everything. And you know what? Was he playing games? He wasn't playing games. Because Hashem is giving us strength along the way. It's manish like, like, like the angel Gabriel being sent to Yosef to give him extra strength. These holidays are like, manish like the embodiment of malachim, you know, of angels being sent to us, just giving us extra strength along the way. There's no question, you know? You know, there's a joke, it's kind of a, kind of a dark joke, but it's kind of funny at the same time. They say Hitler, Yomach Shemo, his name should be erased, went to a fortune teller. This is, this is a joke. Went to a fortune teller and asked the fortune teller, what day am I going to die on? You know this? You heard this? And the fortune teller says back to him, you're going to die on a Jewish holiday. And he says, really? Which Jewish holiday? And he says, any day you die is going to be a Jewish holiday. <laughs> so, Anyway, that makes me laugh. Um, you know, because they say that they say that about Haman. They really do say that about Haman. I heard this from Reb Shlomo. That, that one of the things, one of the reasons why Haman hated the Jews so much was because of all of the holidays. And God said, okay, just for you, we're going to make an extra one. Right? That's for him. That's, that's a real teaching. That's a real teaching. Um, so... So anyway, anyway, let's 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 go further. So, so Yaakov sends Yosef Bishchem. Now, we mentioned just to clarify one last point. We mentioned that that when when the Torah says that Yaakov sent Yosef to Shechem, and that and that it was a dangerous mission. And that the Torah lists Yaakov's name as Yisrael at that point, meaning that he's holding at an even higher spiritual level. So you could have a good question, which is, why is someone who's on a very high spiritual level, you know, meaning to say has some, some Ruach HaKodesh, some prophetic insight at that point, why would he be sending his son into a dangerous situation? Especially since that's his favorite son. Why, why would he do that? It's a good question, no? So the Zohar explains that the reason why they went to Dafka to, to Abraham's gravesite was because Abraham was told that your children are going to have to go into exile. And so they were undertaking this mission of, okay, this is now the sending into exile. But of course it doesn't say that Yosef would be killed. Yaakov thought Yosef was killed. Alright, so... So, so, so Yaakov was seemingly initiating the fulfillment of this prophecy for the good, to get it over with, or to fulfill it. And now, when you say, oh, wait a second, Yaakov is sending Yosef to, to fulfill the, the, the prophecy to Abraham of exile. Now, when Yosef says back to Yaakov, Hineni, oh, okay, now I understand the Hineni. Like, I'm here, I'm ready. It's a big word. It's not a small word in the Torah, Hineni. That means I'm ready for a very, very big job. And you know what the awesome thing is? Look how amazingly Yosef did. I mean, it's not even for me to say Yosef did a good job, right? Who am I to say such a thing? I mean, how extraordinary. How extraordinary. 
Okay. So now, now I want to talk about angels. And, um, you know, last week, and if you didn't have a chance to hear this talk, I, I, uh, I hope you can listen to it. I, I, I called it Pronouncing the Unpronounceable because it was about uh, this teaching that Hashem, when He gave the Torah at, at Mount Sinai, the, 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 the Kabbalists say that what Hashem did was he pronounced the letter Aleph of Anochi. Anochi is the first word of the um, Aseris Hadibros, the Ten Commandments, and that Hashem pronounced the first letter of the first word. Now we have a problem with that. It's a paradox, really, because the letter Aleph is unpronounceable. It's silent. So what does it mean that Hashem pronounced the Aleph? And that's how he gave the Torah. So we explained, or I want you to give the following explanation, that, um, that the letter Aleph, as Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver explains in the Or Torah, that's his commentary on the Milos Torah by the um, brother of the Vilna Gon, that he explains that the letter Aleph, if you draw it out and you can picture it, it will be better. The letter Aleph is actually composed of three parts. There's the Upper Yud, there's the lower Yud, and there's above, diagonally in between. And um, everybody knows that Aleph is the first letter of the, of the alphabet, so its numerical equivalent is one. Aleph is one. And we know that Hashem is one. So Aleph and Hashem, actually, there's a parallel between Aleph and Hashem. Not that Hashem has a physical form, but conceptually, God is one, and the letter Aleph is the number one. Not only that, but we said that the letter Aleph is broken down into three letters. An upper Yud, a lower Yud, and a Vav that goes diagonally. So Yud is ten, and Yud is ten, and Vav is six. So that means that if you break down the letter Aleph, which is one, like the oneness of God, it equals the number twenty-six, which is the gematria of the holiest name of God. The numerical equivalent of the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He. So you see a lot of parallels there. Not only that, but Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Haver says that there are two, two kind of heaven and earth names for God. yud Hey vav Hey, right? And Aleph, Dalad, Nun, and Yud. And that, and that if you intertwine these two names, like they have it in Sephardic sitters, where they alternate letters, where you have the Yud and the Aleph, and the Vav, and the Dalad, and it goes, that, it, that, that, that intertwined name Begins with a yud and ends with a yud. And this name, have you seen this name for God? Sometimes it's spelled in Sudurim, yud yud, for God. So that's what it is. It's the first yud of the yud ke vav ke, and the last yud of dalid, na, aleph dalid nun and yud. That's the yud yud. And he says that this is the letter aleph, that the upper yud stands for the yud of the yud ke vav ke, and the Last yud, the bottom yud, is the end of Aleph, Dalad, Nun, and Yud. And the vav in between is the six letters that are in between those two names of God. Because Yud, K, Vav, K is four letters. Aleph, Dalad, Nun, and Yud is four letters. That's eight letters. So if you subtract the two yuds, that's six, which is the vav in between the two yuds. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We got it. We got it here. Thanks. So, um, so, Rav Yitzhak Azekhaver goes further. He says that Vav in between 
that the upper Yud, on the second day of creation, God, it says, separated the upper waters from the lower waters. So the upper waters, that's the, that's the upper Yud. The lower waters, that's this Yud. And the Rakia, the sky, is the Yud, in, the Vav in between. It says that that Vav in between stands for the six orders of the Mishnah, which is the oral law. Now he also says something amazing. He says, and now we're going to start to focus on this. Okay, that was just a little bit of background for this talk. He goes on to say that it says in Gomorrah Chagiga, Yud Gimel, Amid Beis, that there's a that there's two different descriptions of the angels in two of our main prophets' writings. And the Gomorrah in Chagiga sort of like notes the difference of the descriptions and, and, and wants, wants an explanation. Yeshaya, the prophet Isaiah, says that the angels have six wings. Yechezkel, the prophet Ezekiel, says they have four wings. So the question is, do they have six wings or do they have four wings? So the Gomorrah answers, very amazing answer actually, the Gomorrah answers, in the time when there is a base of Migdash, a holy temple in Israel, they have six wings. That's when the prophet Yeshaya prophesy. And when there is no base of Migdash, they have four wings. That's what Yechezkel said. Very interesting difference. Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver says, that Vav in between the two Yuds in the letter Aleph, stands for the six orders of the Mishnah. Now all six orders of the Mishnah, that's the, that's the Talmud, that's the Torah Shabal Peh, were in play when there was a Beis HaMikdash. You could do all of it because you had a Beis HaMikdash. All six orders, that's the Vav. He says when there is no Beis HaMikdash, the orders of Kadshim and Zvachim Two of the six orders you can't do because there's no base of Migdash, so there are only four orders in play. So that's why there's only four wings of the angels when there's no base of Migdash. By the way, I, I got it a little bit wrong. I said last week it was it was it was uh, Kudshim and Taharos. It's not, it's Kudshim and Zvachim. So just note that correction. Um, anyway, uh, so so now as if that's not enough, he goes on to prove it mathematically. <laughs> so he says, the six wings represents the full, the full revelation of the Mishnah, of the Oral Law, right? He says there's 900 Mishnayos. The Oral Law is, is um, the increment of each, you know, like you have cents to the dollar, you have, you have Mishnayos to the Torah Shabal Peh. That's the that's how it's divided. That's how it's organized. There are 900 Mishnayos. The word in Hebrew for wing, as in wing of the angel, is kanaf. Chaf, nun, fe. That's the gematria 150. Okay? Now, when you have the full, the full six orders revealed, six times 150 is 900. So, six wings equals the full 900 Mishnayos. Okay, so now, now let me bring you, let's just shift gears for a moment. I was very excited about this teaching. Now, I, I, I learned this teaching 
in this book, which is not organized according to the weeks. Meaning to say, a lot of um, Torah books are, they, they say, al Torah, meaning that um, the, um, each Torah section, each Parsha of the week, will have its own piece of writing on it. But then you have other Torah books, which are just on a subject, and they're not organized according to the different Parshas of the different weeks of the year, or the different months of the year. They're just on a topic. What I just told you over was from the Or Torah, which is on one of these books which isn't time-bound, if you will. It's just on the subject of the greatness of learning Torah. Alright? Everyone understand? Now, I've been working on that book, you know, little by little, um, for about two years. And I'm about halfway through it. Okay? So, um, if you want to see it, by the way, it's um, Chelek uh, Tzadik in, in the Or Torah, what I just said over. So, So, in other words, there's no, there's no connection, seemingly, between when I learned that and what time of the year I learned it. Does, does everyone follow that point? Okay. So, I was in the parking lot of my son's uh, high school, and one of the Rebbe's there, I was very excited about this teaching, and I told him about the wings of the angels, right? But I just told Jim. And he said, oh, you know... He said, wait right here. And he went to get a safer. And he said, oh, I want to tell you. He didn't use these exact words, but this was it, it was what it was. He said, I want to tell you um, a Torah about the six wings versus the four wings of the angels. I was like, well, first I was like, you have a Torah on the six wings versus the four wings of the angels? That was number one. And number two was, he said, he showed it to me. And it was in this week's. Parsha, which blew my mind because it's like, anyway, <laughs> it's like, then, then he told me very quickly, and it's related to the word Bishchem, it's on the words Bishchem, and I'm going to explain it to you in a moment, and it's from the Akhtar Rebbe, the Ohev Yisrael, and I got home and you know, my Hebrew is not so good, but I'm learning, I'm trying. And uh, over the years, I've just thought, you know, I just want to have these farm in my house. And so over the years, all the different Rebbe's that Reb Shlomo has mentioned, not all of them, but a lot of them, I've just sort of like, at a certain period, like picked up the phone and called Brooklyn and ordered like, all right, I need the Kedushas Levy and I need the, you know, I need the, you know, the... Megale uh, Amukos, and I need, you know, just different. And so I've gotten different shipments of, 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 of Hasidic Rebbe's over the years. And I thought to myself, wow, I'd really love to see that Torah inside that he told me in the parking lot. Rabbi Schreiber, by the way, wonderful teacher. And I thought, the Ohid Yisrael, was that one of those books that I've ordered at some point in my life? And I look, and it's like, I have it. I was like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, this is. I can't believe it. I wonder if I can find it in the book. So then I looked and I, I found it. And then I was like, I wonder if I can read it. <laughs> and it's like, I read it. I was so happy. So here's what it says. Let's go back to this. Let's go back to this. This Pusuk. Yaakov Avinu says, your brothers are pasturing Bishchem, in Shechem. 
right? We learned all about this, right? Now the Medrash says, talks about how um, brings with this Pasuk the songs that the angels sing. So the Akhtar Rebbe, who, by the way, at, at his time, he was the dean of the Rebbe's. And by the way, he was around the same time. I haven't checked the exact years, but basically the same time as the Ortor, who we were just learning. So, so he says the following. He brings in the name of the Ari. And he says that the angels have six wings when there's a base of Mikdash. And on each wing is written a different word. Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Leolam Va'ed. Alright? In pairs. Because wings go in pairs. Now, by the way, I was giving this over yesterday morning and um, someone shared with me something great, another teaching about the wings of angels. I was so happy to hear it. Anna Bakoyach, that prayer that we say at different key times, one of the key times is right before Lachadodi. It's um, each line has six words in it. And the Ari says that you're supposed to say them two words at a time. Anna Bakoyach. Each, each, in other words, you wear two words, two words, two words, because it's supposed to be like the wings of angels. Now, now you've got a foundation to understand what that means. Because there's six wings, and you, those six words parallel the six wings, and you speak them out in pairs because you want to say them in pairs of wings. Right? Beautiful, no? that I heard in the name of the Ari. Now, so the Ari says, on each one of the wings is written a different word. Baruch, Shem, Kavod, Malchuso, Leolam, Va'ed. The top two wings, the Gemara says, cover the face. The middle two wings, I think, are for flying. And the back, the, the lower two wings, which would be Leolam, Va'ed, cover the legs. That's the Gomorrah Nechagiga. So now the question is, today we only have angels with four wings because we don't have a base of Migdash. So they ask, which two wings are missing? Which two words are missing? Okay? So the Ohev Yisrael, the Aftar Rebbe, brings in the name of the Noam Elimelech, and it's this same teaching is also brought in the name of the Vilna Gon, that it's the middle two wings that are missing. Okay? Let's do it again. The top two wings are Baruch Shem. The middle two wings are Kavod Malchuso, which means the glory, the glory of your kingship. The Kavod, the glory, the honor of your kingship. That's what's missing today in a time when there's no base of Migdash. Makes sense, no? And they bring a Kavana, a holy intention to have in mind when you're saying the Musaf of Yantif. It says, Gale Kavod Malchusecha. Which means, reveal the glory of your kingship. That that's referring to the two missing wings of the angels. Because it says, the, gl- the glory of your kingdom is missing. 
So when we say the words, reveal the glory of your kingship, that's because that's what it's missing. So you have in mind that you're restoring for the full revelation of God, which correlates with the restitution of the two missing wings of the angels today. Right? Amazing kavanah to have. So the Opta Rebbe says something amazing. He says, yep, that's what my Rebbe says. Those are the two missing wings. He says, I say it's two other missing wings. <laughs> I say it's Leolam Va'ed. The bottom two wings. That's what I say is missing. Right? So that in itself is an amazing statement. Right? So he says, yeah. He says, because... Because of the following. He says, he says when, they went to, when the brothers went to Shechem, Bishchem, that's really a statement of Galus, of exile, right? Like we said. Because the exile really kicked in Bishchem, in Shechem. Because that's where the brothers sold Yosef. Right? That's the whole kind of tearing apart of the Jewish people, of the disunity of the Jewish people. Bishchem, in Shechem. So that's really, that should correlate with exile. And as we said, when there are angels with four wings, there's no base of Migdash, that's the state of exile. So he brings down, the Aftar Rebbe says, Bishchem, look at the first letters of Bishchem. Baruch, Shem, Kavod, Malchusa. And that's why when Leolam Ba'ed, when God's eternity is restored, then you'll see the fullness of Mashiach. So, very amazing teaching. Now, I want to add to this, if I may, you know, which is, isn't it interesting that Yosef is buried in Shechem? Yosef, if you know a little bit about the spheres, Yosef is number six. He correlates with Yesod. And in the system that we're learning right now, four stands for exile, six stands for redemption. Isn't it interesting that Bishchem, which stands for exile, and is four, Baruch Shem Kavod Machuso, that Yosef, who's six, is buried Bishchem. Yosef, who represents the fullness, who's number six, is buried Bishchem, in Shechem. So based on that, what I'd like to say is that God isn't broken. The world is broken, but God isn't broken. In other words, amidst the exile, God exists in totality and fullness. We think with sort of like, on an, with an emotional intelligence sometimes, instead of real clarity. And we say, well, the world's broken, so in the back of our minds, even though we don't really feel this way, we say, so God is also broken. God's not broken. The world is broken, but God's not broken. So you see this played out in a very, very deep way, that Bishchem, which represents exile, Yosef, Number six, who represents the fullness of perfection, is still there amidst the brokenness. So even in our own lives, we should know if we're experiencing brokenness, yeah, it makes sense because the world's broken, but God exists in his perfection simultaneously. 
And of course, the destiny of the world is to go back to fullness and completeness. That's where we're heading. That's what's going to take place. So I'll tell you something that blew my mind. After I finished saying this over yesterday morning, Shabbos morning, right? I'm davening and uh, I'm thinking in my head, I don't know why exactly, but thinking, you know, the most exalted realm of heaven is called Keter, right? That's like, that means crown. So I'm just kind of thinking about this and thinking about the angels, you know? And just, you know, we had just been learning about it, so this was what was in my mind. And a little girl walks into the shul wearing a golden crown and wings of an angel. And I'm looking. I'm like, am I, am I losing my mind? I walked up and I counted the wings on her back. One, two, three, four. And I said to her father, we were just learning about this. <laughs> so, so God's good. <laughs> and uh, Shem should bless us, give us strength. And uh, it's all going to be good. It's all going to be good.